0: you are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Christian, Just like being in a garage doesn't make you a car. You've got to do something with God's grace. If you want to be called a disciple and a Christian. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 11. It was He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So God has appointed teachers, elders, deacons, evangelists, all kinds of people. And what is their purpose? To prepare us for what? For works of service. To do God's will. To have an impact, to make a difference. And that is what God's grace needs to motivate us to do. It's very interesting because if you read all the letters in the first three chapters of the book of Revelations to the seven churches, almost every letter starts how? I know your deeds. See, when we're judged... We're going to be judged on our deeds. How we lived, what we did. Contrary to what many people say. So let's talk a little bit this morning about what we need to do. You ready for that? Well, first point would be stop plateauing and start growing. Stop plateauing and start growing. Colossians chapter 1. Oh my God. See, truly, with God's grace, we've got to ask ourselves, what on earth are we doing for heaven's sake? <laughs> and that is the title this morning. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? Oh Come on. Come on. See, in heaven, the angels and God and other creatures are looking down and seeing what we are doing for their sake. And for our own sake. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor struggling with all this energy, which so powerfully works in me. Now we've got to stop plateauing and start growing. Now Paul here is saying he has so much energy which comes from who? The protein shakes he drinks? No, from God. (laughs) know, usually when I come to church, I stop by the store in the corner, and get that protein shake. Well, back then, there were no energy drinks, there were no protein shakes, there was nothing. They only had the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying he's got all that energy from God, and he uses that to do what? To present people perfect to Christ. In other words, to disciple. What Paul is talking about here is what we call discipling. Amen. You know, when Dennon was born, needless to say, Maria and I and the rest of the family, we were fired up. When Kiara was born, we were super excited. When Jeanette gives birth, Jacques is going to be fired up. His hair may even start growing back. he's going to be excited you know it was so awesome but there's one little detail that I wasn't so fired up about and that's when it became time to start changing those diapers I'm just confessing I'm just being honest you know I didn't mind if the diaper had to be changed for number one but number two that's quite a different story. Yeah. You know, you see that, I like, uh-oh, I smell something. Let me feel it. Oh, yes, I feel something. Let me see. Well, Maria should be home in the next five minutes. I think he can hold on. Yes, I think he can. Oh, no. And then Maria goes on, honey, didn't poop. Did you know that? I'm sorry, what were you saying? What's that? We can ask disciples, That's one of the things that we do. We change people's diapers. We get in there when it smells. We get in there to do the dirty and the nasty work in order to present people to Christ. Maturely. You know, diapers, we have... Spiritual diapers. You know, and those diapers need to get changed, don't they? I mean, you don't want to get a big spiritual rash, do you know? It's not comfortable. It is not nice. But you know, sometimes, or a lot of times, for some reason, we get used to wearing dirty diapers, and it becomes kind of nice and comfortable, and we're more concerned about hiding them, than changing them. You know, we have our diaper on and we're walking, we're like... Hey, sis, how you doing? <laughs> and completely infecting the church with our sin and hypocrisy. Being open is one of the greatest privileges we have as disciples. And not being open is a sure way of plateauing instead of growing. You know, the other thing is, as people who disciple people, we've got to grow in our discipling. Right. You know, when someone is a new disciple, it's relatively easy to disciple. I mean, every verse you show, Matthew 28, wow, this is so awesome. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, wow, this is incredible. But then when people start maturing as disciples, we got to change our discipling. You now, I know we're super excited about people getting baptized, and that is awesome, is it not? Yeah. It is truly incredible for people to get baptized. And we are very urgent to study the Bible with people. Right. You know, we finish once, we're like, Okay, when do you want to study again? What are you doing tomorrow? 11 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, 7 in the morning, no problem. Let's get together to study the Word of God. But a lot of times something happens when someone gets baptized. The urgency is not there anymore. But we've got to have the same zeal and conviction about discipling someone, taking care of the disciples, as we have about baptizing the lost. Right. Right. We've got to be in there with people. You know, first it's then, Brother, are you fired up? Second disciple time. Brother, are you fired up? Two years down the road. Brother, are you fired up? Every discipling time, the same thing. And then you go to Michael, Brother, this brother is not doing well. He doesn't like to be discipled. He doesn't want to have discipling times. I think he needs to be warned. But your discipling times are the same week after week. And you wonder, why is he not doing well? Hmm, deep question. You know, the takes really poor in our lives. It is so great to see baby Christians growing in the faith and maturing and becoming solid and having an impact for God. And we need to be able to get joy from that once they're baptized, To realize we're here, not just to create a nice little community church. We want to have a worldwide impact. And how does that happen? Only with discipling. Getting in there. When things are tough, when things are smelly. we are in there helping the brother, helping the sister, knowing I may not be doing well, but I know one thing. He loves me. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's biblical. How will people recognize us? By the love that we have for each other. Not only the love we have for those that are going to get baptized. The love that we have for... Thank you. For each other. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. You know, discipling makes people glow. Discipling makes people glow. I know that because I wasn't glowing for a long, long time until I finally got the courage to come up and move to England, to London, where I could get what? Discipling. Now don't get me wrong, I believe Skype is awesome. It is awesome. But Skype is not the real thing you can talk on skype you can see each other's pretty face and then see each other aging but you cannot walk with one another as jesus did and we've got to be glowing now second point is stop moaning and start glowing stop moaning and start glowing Luke chapter 11, verse 33. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Right. Now we are called to be glowing. We're not called to be Submarine Christians <laughs> who are usually on the water and not to be seen. And once in a while, when the coast is clear and everything is safe, and first we check with the periscope, no one in sight, everything is okay. Now I'm going to be a Christian. Wow. I'm in church. It's the brother the, brother, the brother that always challenges me that doesn't like me. He says, okay, now I can be a Christian. Oh. Or we're a Christian at church. But how are we at work? We're a Christian with disciples, but how are we with our colleagues and friends who are not? Another word for submarine Christian is low sodium Christian. Jesus says we are the salt of the earth. You know, when you put salt in something, you know that they're salt. It would be very weird to just put salt in your chicken and fries and chips and everything, and it just tastes exactly the same. Salt makes a difference, but if you have low sodium salt, you won't notice it. We've got a glow. Last Friday, for the first time in my life, I went to acupuncturist. Reason being because I had pulled a muscle in my neck going to the gym, and it was bothering me, so I thought, you know, I remembered that about 5-6 years ago, myself and Matt Sullivan, we were in Suriname, that's in South America, and he had a problem with his back. He went to the acupuncturist, put in some needles, half an hour to an hour later, he was feeling a lot better. So I said, let me give this a shot. So I went to Golders Green, and uh, figured, you know, I know Golders Green, so let me go there. <laughs> went to the acupuncturist and she started asking me, have you ever done acupuncture before? I said, not really. She said, how do you feel about needles? I said, well, I guess if you don't make them come in one side, come out the other side, then, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> and she said, I always ask, especially men. Because they are more afraid of needles than women. And I even felt a little bit offended. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? You you see a big guy walking, you think I'm afraid of a little tiny needle? You know, I even thought, who are these men that are giving me this bad image? (laughs) And you don't have to stand up, we're not going to ask you to stand up if you're afraid of needles. But you know, can you imagine that? A big guy coming in, all strong, tattoos everywhere, shaven heads, comes in and is scared of a little, tiny needle. That would be funny, wouldn't it? And he's all whining, complaining, please take it easy, don't hurt me, be gentle with me. That's how some of us are as disciples. We're going around moaning. And I've been there. And you know, I remember when I went to a leadership conference in the Philippines years ago, I was moaning so much I was in danger of being nominated for a Grammy Award. <laughs> no matter what people told me, I was just down and out and focused on self. Now, we all go through hard times saying, yes, we need to talk, we need to open up, and we need to share a too. That's good, isn't it? Now, I'm not someone who cries a lot, by nature. But I remember the first time Maria saw me cry. It was when she was pregnant. She had lost a baby. And we were crying together. And all of a sudden, she starts laughing like, I can't believe this. We just lost a baby and she's laughing. You know, I called my parents and I had a hard time holding my tears over the phone. And they couldn't believe I was going to say, something is wrong with the connection. Call me back. But Maria was laughing because for the first time she was seeing myself crying. So crying is good, but sometimes we are so self focused. God is trying to help us. People are in there with us, but we cannot see it because we're moaning instead of glowing. And here's the mother of all lines. (laughs) When people get in there with you, you don't want to repent. Here's the mother of all lines. There's no love in the church. Have you heard that? Have you been there? There's no love in the Church, there is love, but you're too self focused to see the love. It's like my kids when they're frustrated, everyone is against me. You always think it's my fault. you like him better than you like me <laughs> but that's how we are when we're throwing a pity party you know i got I want to really lift up javeline she's she's with the, with the kids right now. But she was baptized in Curaçao, and she wasn't doing so hot. Now, I don't know what the details were, but I do know that several times Maria had to have that talk with her. Like, okay, you decide now to live like a disciple, or you've got to make a decision. And... I didn't know what they talked about, but I could walk by seeing them in the corner in the living room talking and you know you know how it is when you're on the hot chair, you're just like that's pretty much all you can do. You know you're being nailed left and right and everything is true. So there's nothing you can say except But she made the radical decision to move to London. You know sometimes do things that completely surprise us. We think, oh, he's struggling, he's not going to want to do that. Well, ask him. You don't know until you ask. Well, she decided to move to London, England. Ten hour flight from where she lived. Different language, different culture. She came and she's been doing much better here. Here's the thing: if you are not doing you're just gonna make a radical decision to do what God wants you to do, and then times of healing, times of refreshing will come. It is great to see people grow. If Michael Williamson did not get discipled, do you think he would be here? If Blaze Fumba did not get discipled, do you think he would be here? How did they mature? Through discipling. How did they get here? By always being awesome and cranking and being perfect? Absolutely not. I've stunk it out so many times I could have competed with a skunk. But it's because I didn't give up. It's why I'm here. And why didn't I give up? I just couldn't. It's like John chapter 6. Everyone left Jesus. Jesus turns to the 12. You want to leave me too? What does Peter say? Where do we have to go? Is that how you feel about the kingdom? Where do I have to go if I leave the kingdom? You know, that's, that's what keeps me faithful. At times when I was just doing radio, i say, there's just flat out nowhere else to go. Now here's the thing. If you feel like there's somewhere else to go, you know you're on the spiritual border already. Wow. You know that your heart is being hardened. And you're close to falling away. The other thing is, how can I possibly turn my back to Jesus after knowing what He did on the cross? How can I tell Jesus, thank you, but no thank you. I'm really much happier doing this. Just can't do it. Can't do it. If you have any softness left in your heart, you will not be able to do that. So let's stop moaning and start glowing. You know, I had an encouraging talk with Rob last week. Now, Rob doesn't think it was encouraging, but it was encouraging to me. No, Rob called me and was kind of stressed out with work. And we spoke about that. And and then he said, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've been a disciple five weeks and I haven't been fruitful yet. I was like, bro, I appreciate your heart, but let's take it easy. (laughs) Yes, we need to be fruitful. But imagine if everyone is fruitful every five weeks. Forget about evangelizing the nations in one generation. How about doing it in five years? What are the standard was? you got to be fruitful within five weeks. How many of us would still be in the church? But you know, it's just awesome to have a young disciple wanting to have an impact. And feeling like, Five weeks I've been baptized. I have not baptized anyone. What is wrong with me? Amen. Come on. You know I said, "Bro, appreciate your heart." But Galatians does say, "Do not give up in doing good, but at the proper time, you will bear a harvest." Amen. How about if you're studying the Bible? I remember my days studying the Bible. I was all stressed out with nowhere to go. And that's our third point. All stressed out and nowhere to go. Now that's how I was in the beginning, but luckily, eventually, I wasn't stressed out and I did have a place to go. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. You know, God really came here. His Son came to die for our sins. And the gospel truly is good news. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. Yes. Do you believe it's good news? Do you believe it has done good for you? Yes. Yes. Has it changed your life for the better? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And so we got to keep that in mind. God's Word is Good news. Now, it's bad news if you don't want to change. But it's awesome news if you're looking for a change and want to change and adjust your life. So First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Point number one. God is not a distant God. He's not a Greek God with a beard and a lot of muscles looking down, really mean and angry upon the earth, seeing who's going to mess up so he can squash him like a cockroach. That's not our God. He cares for us. And it is so awesome for myself and Maria to be in London, having people around us that care for us. They are sincerely interested. And I know I can go to them, I can talk, I can be open, I'll be challenged if I need to, but I know it will be in love. How much more does God care for us? Do you really believe that? Do you really know that God cares for you? That in all your Struggles and your anxieties, God says, you know what? Cast them on me because I care. Matthew chapter 11. See, if we don't realize that, we can get stressed out and have nowhere to go. We're then in the paralysis of analysis. You know, when I was studying the Bible, I remember that very clearly. And it took me a good while to to become a disciple. It wasn't easy for me. Because I really had a hard time understanding God's love for me. And and trusting Him to know that He really does care for me. And I was hiding from the disciples. Can you imagine myself, six, five and a half, trying to hide from disciples? You know, any, the first thing you see on the street is usually myself. You see my head above all the heads, there just floating around. It's like an elephant in a cartoon trying to hide behind a telephone pole. It just doesn't work. <laughs> But that's what I was doing. I was trying to hide. man. It was really hard. They always found me. He said, hi Mike. I was like, oh my goodness, here they come. And why are they so friendly? This is really annoying me. Because oh, wow. I just did not want to be confronted with God's love. I appreciate Charles, who's going to get baptized today. Charles, last week after service, I had heard many things about him, but never really had a chance to speak to him myself. So I went up to him, I said, Charles, my friend, how you doing? I was going to say, yeah, you know, I'm studying the Bible, but there's this thing really bothering me. Really, you can say, stressing me out. And there's a decision he had to make, which was part of his repentance But it was hard for him to do. And I was just wondering, what's going to happen if I do this? He took courage. He took faith. He did it. And God blessed. When we studied yesterday and the day before yesterday, I said, Charles, how are you doing? How did that thing go? He said, it went really well. I feel so relieved. And that's what I'm calling all of us to do. You may think this, you may think that, you may be thinking, but you don't know what my situation is like. You don't understand me. And maybe I don't, but God does. And He gave us instructions on what to do. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. Actually, let's start in 28. Come to me And I think as disciples, we've got to remember this also. Because sometimes I think we're more like, okay, we're going to study discipleship. And no, we got to be sold out absolutely. But sometimes we make the person feel like, man, you have got to deny yourself. You've got to carry your cross. You've got to do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Are you sold out? <laughs> Instead of inspiring the person. Yeah. <laughs> Helping them understand one of the reasons we have to do that carry cross is because the mess we're in is because we live for ourselves our whole life anyway. And now God is saying, let me take over. And the person goes away shaking and trembling. <laughs> scared to death we say, bro, I laid him out. I slayed him in the spirit. You should have seen his hands trembling. I hope he becomes a disciple and I hope he's excited about it. No, that's not how people become disciples. How did Jesus do it? First disciples, he saw of John the Baptist, they went and spent the day with him. Right. See, when Jesus called them, yes, He called them to leave everything they had, but He said, I have something much greater for you. Come follow me and get a much better, much more awesome and purposeful life. Remember, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And as disciples... That's one of the first things we've got to show people. How much we care. How are we recognized as disciples of Jesus? By the love we have for each other. Amen? Amen? When we forget God's grace, we forget how awesome God is. And while we're doing what we're doing, things very quickly can become a burden. And again... Speaking from experience, you know, if you've been a disciple twenty plus years, all the good, all the bad, you're speaking from experience. That's just how it is. You know, when things become a burden, we don't realize why we're doing it. We don't have the right motivation, and it shows. One of the people I love more than anyone else in my whole. All the people I know are obviously my parents. Why? Just because they brought me to this planet? Well, no. Because if they would never have cared about me, I probably wouldn't really have any emotional attachment with them. Or a lot less. But because they cared and and they sacrificed and... You know, even though things were not always perfect, and they're not perfect in any household, in any family, I always knew that they loved me. But sometimes I forgot. I became ungrateful, and I started thinking I am entitled to certain things. And that happens especially when you reach the teenage years. And if you have teenage kids, you know what I'm talking about. And my kids are entering the teenage phase, and my heart is starting to beat a little bit faster every day that approaches. So I'm like, thank goodness I have people here to advise and to help me out. But as a teenager, 14 or 15, I started lifting weights. And after some time of lifting weights, I had a conviction I was stronger than my dad. (laughs) I thought I was stronger than my dad. And I became ungrateful for my dad, thinking I'm entitled to everything, so I wasn't grateful. And I was waiting for the showdown to take place, for me to show him who was the boss. To flex my muscles and change the authority structure in the house around To show who is who, finally. So the moment came. I was sitting on the couch minding my own business. And all of a sudden this man, 25 years older than myself, came and said, Can you take this outside for me? And I said, What is this? (laughs) Just because he's my father, he thinks he can just talk to me like that. And I said to myself, I'll show him what time it is, what year we live in. Does he think we're living in the 50s? These are the 80s! And I said, no! And my dad said, well then you can leave the house! And I said, oops, I didn't think about that one. So, my dad put me back in my shoes right away, gave me a little dose of humility, and after swallowing my pride, of course not doing it right away, because I don't want to show weakness, I got to give a little bit of resistance here. I got up, I took the thing outside. (laughs) Why? I had become ungrateful, conceited, and had a completely unrealistic view of who I was. And I became rebellious. How is your heart today? Well, I can go up there, I can preach, and I can do this better. I can't believe he's been a Christian for 20 years. I'm tired of people telling me what I need to do. Why did they always ask me if I shared my faith, if I read my Bible? This is so annoying. And bitterness is growing up in us. you know what the Bible says about bitterness, right? Defiles many. And then on top of that, you throw in a little bit of another ingredient, there's no love in the church. Well, that's right. There's no love in your heart. And that's why you cannot recognize love in the church. And we've got to understand something here. We think we're critical towards... Men, but read your Bible, you see that we're not really critical towards men, we're critical towards God. Ask Moses and Joshua if you think you can do it better, be a disciple for 20 years, be fruitful, move around, then come and preach if you think you have good suggestions, Amen, you bring it up, you talk about it with the right heart. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? That's the question we need to ask ourselves this morning, August the 11th. Thank you. We have an awesome church, guys. And even though we all struggle, it is so great to be I really believe a lot of us do not realize how much we have. The people around us, the people leading us, people laying down their lives, people rising up, becoming strong disciples, people from all over the world wanting to come here. The movement that we are a part of. Where would I be if it was not for the movement? Where would it be if it was not for the kingdom? I don't want to think about it. Fact is, I'm here, we're here. Let's be motivated by God's grace. Let's think about what we're doing on earth for heaven's sake. Let us stop plateauing and start growing. Let us stop moaning and start glowing. Let us not be stressed out, resisting God's spirit. Let us submit, be humble, be faithful, preach the words. Be fruitful, love our brothers and sisters, and change this world and our generation. Thank you. brothers and sisters let's all stand please and turn to 463 my hope is built it's up on the screen there 463 my hope is built